0: I'm Hillary, I'm Emily, and we're the Sirens. Today we are talking about Stage Door Canteen, which is a unique 1943 film that features musical numbers, comedic bits, and a fairly basic but emotional story about U.S. soldiers during World War II and the women and entertainers who try to provide a little bit of levity in a dark time was directed by Frank Borzich and produced by Sol Lesser. Um, the film includes cameos from the likes of Judith Anderson, Katherine Hepburn, Ray Bulger, Edgar Bergen, Edwin, Tallulah Bankhead, Count Basie, and the list goes on. The film is a real who's who of cinema and entertainment at the time. The movie follows several women who volunteer for the canteen and must adhere to strict rules of con- conduct, uh, the most important of which is that their job is to pr- provide friendly companionship to the soldiers without getting romantically involved. Eileen is a volunteer who confesses to only becoming involved in the stage door canteen in order to be discovered by one of the Hollywood stars or directors in attendance. But inevitably, romance ensues alongside numerous musical numbers and comedic bits.
1: <laughs> that was excellent, Hell, Because I, if really, there was very little plot here, but <laughs> you made it plot. sound like there was plot.
0: <laughs> it's like there's like forty musical numbers uh, connected by some uh, some soldiers named after states or nicknamed after the states they're from.
1: Even when there's supposed to be action, then it just like doesn't happen. And then, like, the next time you see those actors together, they're like, maybe it'll happen this time. (laughs) So not not till the very end does anything really happen.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's like they suddenly were like, oh, we should probably, like, do something. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Also, not to be confused with Stage Door... Which oh, right. we did a different episode about. Mm-hmm. Very different movie, very different vibe. Although Catherine, Catherine Hepburn, Hepburn was in both of them. <laughs> and also, the, I'm um, blanking on her name, but this the Southern actress. Oh, uh huh. She was also in both of these. Uh, so,
0: that's a good piece of trivia. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, well, I just came across that by happenstance, but do you have trivia for us?
0: I do have trivia including uh, that it was the first, this movie was the first movie of um, Ruth Roman, who plays one of the girls, and she was also in Strangers on a Train, which was a movie we saw last year. Um, Who was she in it? She was Anne Morton, uh, the senator's daughter. Oh, okay. Oh my
1: gosh, I totally did not put that together.
0: I know. (laughs) Yeah, and in this movie, she was just an uncredited character or girl, one of the many dozens of girls. Some other trivia: so the actual stage door canteen. This was based on an actual place in New York City. Was a basement club located at 44th Street in, or sorry, in the 44th Street Theater. That actual space couldn't be used for filming because they were using it, um, so they couldn't stop. Per, <laughs> stop. The work that they were doing, receiving and entertaining servicemen. So they recreated it uh, at Fox Movie Tone Studio in New York and at RKO Studios in LA. Um, the movie itself was in production from uh, late November 1942 to late January 1943. So pretty quick turnaround, just a couple months. Uh, there was a featured story in Life magazine in June 1943 that provided a count, count of a total of 82 performers in stage door canteen i'm assuming that's like the like the faces that you can actually recognize not all the like girls the random girls yeah um (laughs) this is one of only two movies in which harpo marks appeared without his brothers chico and groucho the other one is uh, too many kisses from 1925 Um, It's also uh, Catherine Hepburn's only musical appearance and Catherine Cornell, who was a very famous theater actress. It's her only film appearance. So Lots of like singular things. Um, And then
1: I was just going to ask, was Catherine Hepburn just playing herself in this movie?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay, that's because they refer to her as Miss Hepburn. And then she all of a sudden was like, fuck up, kid. You need to yeah continue to support the war effort and not feel bad that your marriage fell through <laughs> and i was like where did this come from catherine heppard <laughs> like you just walk in to give this monologue
0: yeah i mean i she i mean she's one of the like cameos i my understanding is that she is one of the co-chairs they refer to catherine cornell's character at the beginning as being one of the co-chairs and you don't find out who the end and and Until the end, who the other co-chair is and the other co-chair is Catherine Hepburn. Oh, and was she in real life then too? Like very involved? I don't know. I have no idea. Interesting. The real stage door canteen was put together and run by the American Theater Wing, a like a separate independent group that uh, received a percentage of the film's profits. So the movie benefited the actual like canteen itself that's pretty awesome yeah um and that was the last piece of trivia that i had
1: (laughs) i feel like half of the trivia of this movie is just like did you see this famous person did you see that famous person
0: yeah i mean i started i was i was gonna be like oh let me like make a list of whatever and i mean there are just so many people in this movie between the like random one-off appearances like walk-ons uh, to, like, Catherine Hepburn at the end, like, giving one of her, like, signature warbly-voiced about uh, like, <laughs> bucking up, like you said.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was funny, because I saw, you know, some of the, like, stills used to promote this movie are of that end scene with Catherine Hepburn, so I thought she would have a much bigger role in the movie, but mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about her, and then the very end, I was like, wait a second.
0: Oh yeah, I got to the towards the end and I was like, did I somehow miss Catherine Hepburn? (laughs) Like how would that be possible?
1: Yeah, we'll have to talk about who were our favorite celebrity appearances. (laughs) Yeah. But um so I did the bio for this and I had trouble deciding who to pick. And Uh also all of the leads, like the main characters of the like hostesses and Uh the soldiers were from what I read, deliberately cast as unknowns. Oh. So when I looked into each of them, they did not have super full bios. So I just, kinda, I, I went with who I thought was the most interesting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and
1: I chose Marjorie Rorden, who oh. played Jean. Because uh-huh. she looked familiar to me. And then mm-hmm. I will explain why in the uh-huh. bio. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. Marjorie Rorden was born in Washington DC in 1920 and she studied drama for two years at the University of Wisconsin before moving to Los Angeles in 1939 Mm -hmm. which is where she became more focused on working in film but initially she was more successful getting into modeling and she Mm -hmm. started making uncredited appearances in films but she got a small role in the wartime B movie drama Parachute Nurse in 1942.
0: Parachute and that was nurse. kind of,
1: I know, great title. <laughs> <laughs> the Hollywood producer Saul Lesser and a later president of the Saul Lesser Productions often was looking for new faces and, like, you know, up and coming types of talent. And he signed her as a contract player after she approached him about leads for roles Mm -hmm. and that she made her debut in this movie. So this was basically her first big film. Uh And afterwards, her contract was transferred from his productions to Warner Brothers where she was cast as Betty Davis's daughter, Fanny Jr. and Mr. Skeffington in 1944. (laughs) And in 1945, she went on to act alongside Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the Universal Pictures film, Pursuit to Algiers, where she had both an acting and a singing role. Oh. And in the trope of art imitating life, she, like, much like this movie, she was very involved in war effort campaigns mm-hmm. and participated in USO canteen activities. She was assisting in the fundraising efforts that were part of the joint Navy and Red Cross campaign to sell war bonds and raise money towards the cruiser, the USS Los Angeles. And she actually while entertaining at a canteen event met a marine major there named george lumpkin who she then married in 1945 what so yeah her her life basically was this movie oh my gosh and the wartime efforts that she participated in along with her being in stage door canteen gave her a lot of recognition and it led to her being a famous pinup girl and she was like one of the top like you know pinups that the GIs would bring with them overseas and stuff during this time period which is what I realized I recognized her from because I was like I know her face and I have a friend who's really into like pinup culture and stuff and I was like oh this is that that's where I know her from because I was like she looks so wholesome Uh (laughs) but then I looked up some of her shots and I was like, yep, I know that girl. Um, On June 25th, 1945, as part of the widespread help the war effort campaigns, the California Department of Motor Vehicles bestowed upon her the title of Share the Ride Girl, which helped with the war effort by... Share um, the Ride Girl. I know. (laughs) Basically encouraging people to carpool uh, to save on gas. Um, she continued to appear in film supporting roles into the 1950s and then used the money to go to graduate school to study speech pathology what (laughs) which later evolved into her study in clinical psychology and she developed a career as a clinical psychologist what and gave up acting i know it's like she had a whole second career Um, She died of breast cancer in 1984 and was interred alongside her second husband, who was also a psychologist, at Westwood Village Memorial Park in Los Angeles.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. I thought she had an interesting life.
0: Yeah. That's like, yeah, a lot. That's a lot happening in one life. Good for her. Yes.
1: uh, So I have to ask you now, who was your favorite performance
0: in this movie i you know i think i have to say judith anderson i mean i i'm assuming you're asking about like random cameos not the unknown people just because there was like i loved the line where like because at the beginning there was this whole thing where i think dakota didn't recognize her and like when he first saw her And then later on, he like sees her again and they have this conversation and she and she and he says like, oh, you know, I apologize for not recognizing you when I like for not recognizing you or I didn't I didn't know who you were. And her response is, that's okay, I didn't know who you were either. And I just thought that was so like simultaneously hilarious and sweet, like it could have gone either way. And so anyway, I just appreciated that. And I feel like I hadn't like previously paid much attention to her before we like we've seen her and taught us some things. So and she's in Rebecca, obviously. So how, what about you?
1: I mean, it was hard to choose. I really enjoyed getting to see a lot of the musicians,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which, you know, you don't get to see on film that much. Benny Goodman mm-hmm. and his band and Count Basie and Ethel Waters. They, mm-hmm. Those were probably my two favorites.
0: Did you find yourself going, Oh, all these people were like alive and like active at the same time? Like ex- <laughs> like why isn't there more like of the uh, like gypsy role? Like, just like, what's happening? I know, Asher- all Bergen? that talent. It-,
1: <laughs> it does make you feel sad when you think about like who we have, who's comparable.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
1: actually that the the reason I originally Wanted to watch this film is because I think it's one of only like maybe two or three. Like, there's almost no film of um Gypsy Rose Lee, Uh and I was curious to see her because I've you know seen the musical Gypsy and like read about her life, Mm -hmm. but I had trouble sort of picturing what she would be like, and
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, that was, like, the main reason I wanted
0: to watch this movie. (laughs) It was, it was, I thought it was really neat to see, see them, all these people in, in one place. And also, I mean, we, we were, before we started recording, we were, we were talking a lot about, like, uh, Cary Grant and William Powell and Myrna White. It also was interesting, like, none of those people are in this movie. And I would have just, when I was looking at trivia, there were references to other people who were, like, supposedly booked for this movie, like Danny Kaye, like, I don't know all these people. Uh, And so I wonder just like how they like figured out who was going to be in this movie and who wasn't going to be in this movie and like, you know, what sort of like the logistics were for that. So
1: It was such a variety of types of performances too. Like you had these big bands and these fabulous singers, but you also had like Charlie McCarthy and you had like vaudeville stars and (laughs) you know, all different types of comedy it was really interesting and like obviously it was a movie but the idea that like the troops could go and see all of these different types of performers and be entertained by all of it and there's sort of like a common agreement of like oh these are Mm
0: -hmm. the most
1: talented people in the industry right now
0: Mm -hmm. well there's that song in white christmas that's kind of a like that jokes about like oh well you know you can like what's great about being in the army is that you get to see all these acts for free and i thought about that a lot and It was like
1: i know i mean it's the soldiers the the soldier characters like the main characters in the movie i just felt really sad for them mm-hmm. like that was like my overwhelming feeling from the whole thing is that they're being sent off to slaughter basically and mm-hmm especially the California character was so young. Like he was yeah. like a child.
0: Yeah. And he's like writing these like earnest letters to his dad. And then like saying like, Oh, to, to go to like, you can write to my dad. My dad will write you back. And oh, that
1: was so sad too. Yeah. That Dakota had no family, no one to write to him. And then the story he tells Eileen later about how like he brought his dogs with them to the station. Mm-hmm. And he just had to leave them there. And then they, like, wouldn't leave because they were waiting for him. Yeah. I was, like, ready to cry. It was so I sad.
0: I know. And then to know, like, a spoiler alert at the end, you know, Dakota leaves and you know shipped out before they can get married. And like, who, like, how, I don't have any idea, just, like, emotionally on a human level, how, like, en- anybody managed to deal with that. Like, like I I eileen didn't know if he was going to come back
1: i don't know and i think i remember reading that like if you're a parent like at a certain point you start like there's a shift of it being like oh like i'm identifying with these people to like you think about like this being your kids and like this was the first time i watched a war type movie and i was thinking about my son with like you know this 18 year old kid and i was like how could people do it like how could they send them off and yeah um The letter that Jean got from her brother where the dad was saying, like, the one thing that you could never live down is if you didn't do the honorable thing by your country. And I was just like, these poor kids, like, they need to know that it's okay for them to be scared. Yeah. (laughs) So it was very, it like, even though I knew that it was, like, deliberately being sappy and, like, trying to pull up my heartstrings, it still worked.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) well, and, like, here we are watching it so so many decades later, but I just imagine, I mean, it was very well-received at the time, but I just wonder, like, sort of emotionally, like how all of these movies, you know, like Casablanca or whatever, these movies that are about the war that came out during during the war, just, like, how people could even, like, bear to watch them.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Just because, yeah, and no, not knowing how the war was going to turn out. Mm -hmm. either yeah I don't know how people did it it did strike me like just with the times we're living in and how we've failed to come together as a nation in several large crises Mm -hmm. (laughs) recently like seeing everyone pull together and talk about like doing their part and Mm -hmm. honor and all of this stuff like made me sort of wistful in a Mm -hmm. way (laughs) because yeah, we haven't had a lot of success with that.
0: Yeah, and even the ways that they like, you know, honored the Russian and Chinese like mm-hmm. uh, allies to be like, you know, we're they're, you know, they've done so much, and you know, we owe them a lot, and you know, we're brothers and arms and blah blah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it did seem striking this movie compared to others that we've watched that they actually, you know, it wasn't just like all white an all-white cast, and then... I mean, it was they were,
0: m- mostly an all... I mean, it was, like, 90... Yeah, it, it was still 98% an all-white
1: cast. Yeah, there were certain... Like, they kept showing the crowd scenes, and sometimes I would see the crowd, and I was like, oh, it does look like it's not all-white, and then the next shot, I'd be like, no, that's all-white people, and then they would go back and I'd be like, yeah. oh, wait, maybe it's not. So, like, it, it definitely wasn't great but Mm -hmm. compared to other things we've watched they at Mm -hmm. least like singled out some of the non-white people to demonstrate that they had been like some of the bravest people Mm -hmm. and like you know won medals for bravery and stuff like that so I thought that was like an interesting choice for this movie that it like they clearly what it wasn't just intended for a white audience
0: Mm -hmm. Well,
1: and what did you think of, um, like, the relationships among the soldiers, like, the main character guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was very, like, there was definitely a palpable, like, camaraderie. They seemed really, like, supportive of each other. And, um, you know, they wanted to, like, spend time together and be together and, like, you know, and support each other. And, like, they stood up for the one guy with his wedding. And, you know, I, I thought it was, like... Even though they were soldiers, there was not a lot of, like, toxic mix, mix, masculinity or what we would call toxic masculinity now.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, like, the very opening where they're on the train and they're helping the one guy, like, they're by committee writing a love letter to his <laughs> girl. I was <laughs> like, I cannot imagine this scene happening now. of <laughs> Like, what should I say to my girl that's really romantic so she can reread it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, so that I thought that was nice. And they they did rib each other, but in a good natured way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was not like they weren't cutting each other down.
1: And just the whole idea of the canteen, the whole way it was set up and the idea of like hospitality, Mm -hmm. like true hospitality is not like something we see as much anymore. I mean, I was like I wrote down like we need to bring this back for healthcare workers and teachers. Mm hmm. Because just providing that entertainment and, like, the break from worrying and the companionship feels like a really good way for people to release their stress and, like, rest and regain energy for the hard thing that they have to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And we don't really, as a society, like, do that for people.
0: Yeah. Did you think it was weird that the women who are volunteers, like, weren't allowed to eat? the food?
1: Oh, I thought a lot was weird about the (laughs) rolls? Yes I did.
0: Um, I mean I kind of
1: understood it because they were saying you know this was like ration times and they were getting the best food possible for the soul, like stuff that they couldn't get and if those Mm -hmm. girls were going there like every night to volunteer and they were eating the stuff that was like non rationed
0: yeah I guess that's true I forgot about rationing <laughs>
1: um but it does feel awkward like all right you're eating and i'm just sitting here staring at you yeah i think i i wrote the canteen as a straight male fantasy best food hanging with your bros top entertainment all the women are pleasant and interested in you and they initiate if you don't yes <laughs> and they were all like really beautiful too mm-hmm. so like it it seemed strange like they were just like i'll be your date for tonight but then there were all these rules that they couldn't actually develop any kind of relationship or feelings yeah. for each other
0: i mean i i guess on the other hand i understand like the need for some rules because like otherwise there would be a little probably a little bit of chaos or like a lot of like uh, fraternizing outside of the yeah. canteen, which is like the point, is for them to be in the canteen to like we said, like receive the hospitality of the food and the entertainment.
1: Yeah, and maybe keep them from more nefarious, yeah, <laughs> things that you would do on leave,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, various nefarious things that you would do.
1: On leave. I think my grandpa used to talk. He was in World War ii and he would talk about how like people were always trying to get him to do. Like bad things on leave and he was like I'm saving my money like I'm not doing this (laughs) (laughs) but he and my grandma met at a USO dance where it was very much you know you go and be companionable to the soldiers so (laughs) I feel like a lot of people I know (laughs) it's just such a different way of thinking about dating or interacting potential love interests that it would be this way of like, oh, I'm gonna like be a pretty face for you to look at and make you happy, but then I'm gonna do it for like the next person the next day and the next person the next day. I feel like it would have been hard for those girls to yeah, like not get attached to people and or get compassion fatigue or something over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'd be curious like if one of the rules was like you can only do this like five days in a row and then you have to like take two days off or something.
1: Yeah. Well, and they did show, even though it was not really remarked upon, that the girls were, like, soaking their feet at night.
0: Yeah. I um, mean, they were, like, I mean, they're working from five until midnight. And that's a long time.
1: They probably had day jobs, and then they went into the... Yeah. And,
0: and they weren't fed. <laughs> yeah. And then
1: that night, the the first night that they showed in the movie, where the girl was like, yeah, I did go on a date with him, but I was home by two, and I was like you were home by 2? And that's supposed to be saying I wasn't out that late or, like, nothing could have happened. Yeah, But maybe this is, like, New York in the 40s. Times were different.
0: (laughs) Nobody slept. (laughs) (laughs) You could just have,
1: like, a full job during the day, then, like, go to the canteen and work for, like, eight hours and then go out afterwards and then have, like, three hours of sleep.
0: This is reminding me that I sometimes, like, have... I imagine this is what happens in like the Jane Austen novels where they're having these like parties and I'm like wait a second how long is this party like what what time are you going to sleep it seems like you're going to sleep (laughs) at (laughs) 4am I
1: don't know how people do that kind of thing that is it's I don't have it in me (laughs)
0: No, I mean, I don't have an me to go past 930 most nights.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was I the only one who was thinking that Eileen and Dakota should not have gotten married?
0: Um, no, I, I mean, I was like, you have known each other for three days, and you didn't really like seem like you liked each other for the first two. So maybe you're rushing it. But on the other hand, they had like the pressure of him being shipped out yeah
1: but it's I don't know why everyone was everyone was so eager to get married like you could just be like oh I really like you when you come back let's
0: I mean I guess there's like the pressure of like oh we don't know if we're gonna be coming back and if you get and if you get married you get the benefits of being married to someone who's in the service
1: that's right I mean that's what Jersey was saying He's like well if I die she'll get my insurance so yeah which was really sad yeah but I guess, um, like,
0: is some reassurance of, like, oh, even if I'm, if I don't make it, you know, there will be some, some, something will be provided.
1: I agree with you that Dakota and Eileen, like, they basically were jerks to each other for the first two days. Yeah. And I couldn't tell if he was nagging her or, like, what the deal was. I was, because, got the impression that he was really the one who kind of made it negative,
0: Oh, I think everyone... she, d- she didn't seem like she was interested, I didn't think.
1: Well, I didn't think she was interested, but she wasn't being, like, overtly hostile to him in the beginning. <laughs> it was more just kind of like, you know, she was sort of disinterested or, like, going through the motions, which maybe isn't great, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you would have to do that to a certain extent if you were going there a lot or, yeah. like, some of these girls would have to do that. But then he was, like, really mean to her, and when she responded everyone was like you're terrible like this guy like it's your fault if he's mean to you (laughs) and you need to rethink yourself and I was like I don't know about this
0: well but she seemed like she had I'm not discounting that I think that is right but it also seemed like she was like oh I mean I think she said this at the beginning she's like yeah I'm here to like be like be companionable to the men, but, like, I'm really, like, there's that director, and there's that producer, and I, like, I need to, like, go talk to him. And one of her friends was, like, you're not supposed to talk to the entertainers, you're supposed to talk to the men. Yeah, She seemed like she had, like, ulterior motives.
1: I guess I just thought there was nothing wrong with that, that she... I don't know, like, if you're trying to break into the entertainment industry, and you have an opportunity, I don't... Like, as long as you're not being a total jerk, I don't think it's bad to to view that as an opportunity and kind
0: of, I mean, I guess like, that's not, I don't necessarily think it's bad, but that was not the point of like being at the canteen. Like the point of like, you're not supposed to like, you're not supposed to like promote yourself because otherwise, like everybody at the canteen would be like, Oh, you know, I'm, you know, I have this, whatever, this, you know, whatever, like, I'm, I want to break into this role or whatever. And it just like the point, of being at the canteen was to like provide hospitality to the men. Yeah, so it was like true. a little bit like not wrong, but a little bit like gauche. Yeah. Yeah. That's true.
1: I just guess, I, I don't think she was as in the wrong as everyone made her out.
0: to be. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some like anti woman. I mean, the whole, th- the whole, I mean, on the other hand, all the rules, you know, are very, we kind of alluded to this, like all like rules that the girls had to follow because of not to protect them necessarily from like, you know, the nefarious men but but you know to like maintain some decorum. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it was like prescriptive for the girls and they suffered the consequences, but not the men. Right. So, I mean, what else is new? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what else is new. <laughs>
0: that's patriarchy for you. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh i'm trying i'm i'm actively choosing not to go on a political rant right
0: now
1: (laughs) um but it was pretty hilarious how like you know for the first two thirds they don't get along and then all of a sudden they're like do you like the rain i also like the rain we should get married Do you like, like dogs?
0: What? I like dogs. We should walk the dogs in the rain.
1: <laughs> Although yeah. I loved her wedding outfit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> me too.
1: The veil and the suit. We should bring back the wedding suit. I don't know why that's not a thing anymore. Oh my God,
0: We totally need to bring back the wedding suit to do that. That's a great idea.
1: It seemed very romantic to me the way, like when they showed the wedding with Jersey and his Mm-hmm, maybe like his girl yeah that there was something very poignant about it yeah like that those sort of like service type weddings and had like the there was the emotion was running so high that it felt
0: yeah
1: like more significant than like a regular wedding
0: yeah i mean like there's that moment where they say like till death do us part yeah yeah it's just like well yeah i mean Death could be just around the corner. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: I don't know how they dealt with it. I wanted to ask, have you ever been to the World War II Museum in New Orleans? No, I have not. Have you? Yes, and it's very cool because it's it's an awesome museum. Like you could spend a week there. But it one of the things, the, my favorite thing about it was they recreated the stage door canteen. What in the museum, and they have like all the music and like all kinds of information about the entertainers there. It's very cool. What I highly recommend it. Yeah, it made you feel like you were there, which is like as close as we could get to being in this, which we definitely want to be in it.
0: Yeah, um, that's amazing. We all want to help one another, human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery.
1: Well, do you think we're ready to talk about social justice in the movie?
0: Yeah, let's talk about it. I think we've talked about it a little bit. Like this whole like concept of hospitality. Do you think there's other elements of it?
1: We talked a little bit about it, but like even among the white cast, mm-hmm. there was people were from like all different parts of the country and different backgrounds and probably different classes and life experiences, but they were all sort of mixing together as peers.
0: All. Um, mostly, for the most part, welcome there.
1: Yeah, and that—I mean—that war is one of the <laughs> times when you kind of there. There is some class mobility for certain
0: people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I w- I wish that there'd been a little bit more of the like experience of a like african-american soldier we would just get a teeny tiny glimpse i wish we'd seen more me too and i was curious like
1: i guess i had questions because i've and you probably know because you've done more like research on this period of history (laughs) than i have But, like, in terms of the integration, because I've definitely read and seen things that, you know, segregation wasn't forced in the military. But then in this setting, it didn't seem segregated. And then I also noticed that, like, the hostesses who were serving some of the non-white soldiers... They still like had white hostesses and I was curious about that, like if that was accepted. Um, So I just I had raised a lot of questions for me about like these sort of third place like entertainment spaces, Mm -hmm. like how they treated integration.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah because you wouldn't like necessarily expect these bases to be integrated or like even if they legally were supposed to be integrated like they weren't it's not like i don't think people were running out to (laughs) to do it in practice yeah so
1: i don't know those were the main things that came Mm -hmm. up and even with the like i mean there definitely were i mean it's a war so like, yeah. and there were a lot there were references to violence and stuff and it i think for the time that would have just been considered patriotic yeah what did you think of the song where they're just like making the sounds of like shooting down the enemy pilots <laughs>
0: um at some point i just fast, fast forwarded because i was like i don't <laughs> i can't this is not i mean I, the context <laughs> is totally different now i cannot can't please yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so that's that's all the social justice i saw in it And mm-hmm. i've been living my own life making my own decisions for a long while now it's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again
0: what about the bechdel test <laughs> i think the whole premise of this movie like means that it can't pass the bechdel test there may have been like moat brief moments in passing, but like essentially the women are there for the men. So yeah,
1: they're there. It's like the the men are the ones who like have agency and like take action and the women are there to like comfort them and mm-hmm. like cheer them on.
0: I don't think it does so, the bechdel test.
1: No, I mean they're definitely the I could see that there are some conversations that aren't like strictly just about like men and relationships. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you that like it's 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 not a feminist movie. And um, the one thing that did interest me was that the Eileen character, like once she decided that she actually did like Dakota, mm-hmm. she did seem to be more of the pursuer. Like she really. More, she was the one who made a move on him and initiated.
0: That's true, and she talked about how you know she's she'd never proposed to a boy before, but she was going to do it. She was definitely like uh, assertive.
1: Although, was that just like an extension of her canteen hostess role, where (laughs) (laughs) the women have to make themselves available to the men to like take away any like effort or discomfort on their (laughs) parts?
0: there's the thought
1: so yeah doesn't that doesn't pass the bechdel test there were no nuns in this so
0: <laughs> if it had been run by not if the cantina's been run by nuns rather than catherine heppard and catherine Hone- cornell this would be a very different movie <laughs> <laughs> well so what rating would you give this I think I'm going to give it a four just because it was so, like the atmosphere was so good. And like, so, I mean, I, I, I watched this movie in two segments and in between I was like, oh, I, I like, I need to listen to some big band. I need to like, yeah, like making me want to like watch other movies. And it really made me like appreciate and think about and consider like what life must've been like during the war. I, I mean, I'm not giving it a five because there was... I missed having a plot that like yeah something, so. it was kind of like
1: showboat remember when we yeah. did showboat that like it was really more to showcase the talent than it was to tell a story did we do showboat
0: stormy weather no yeah. it was stormy weather yeah but yeah so it's just like I'm glad that you brought that up because it's like not there's no which was made the same year I just googled it there's no so all the white performers were in the historic canteen and all the black performers were in stormy weather but you're right anyway lots of great musical talent and entertainers know or very little plot yes
1: yeah i think I would give it a three. Oh, really? Not, a, not as high as, I mean, I really wanted there to be more of a story, mm-hmm. but it did make me feel like I was there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I liked watching all these performers, but it was kind of a lot to watch, like, as you put it earlier, like 40 different musical and other like vaudeville performances right after another with yes with very little in between
0: mm-hmm.
1: so like the pacing to me was a little bit of a challenge but um mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it definitely like i am gonna pull up my benny goodman playlist and yes. made me want to take swing dance lessons again <laughs> i loved that scene with the guy who like seemed like he had no bones who was doing the swing dancing <laughs> no.
0: that was so good
1: <laughs> But yeah, I enjoyed it. And I think more than other movies we've seen, it made me feel like this is what it must have been like to be like an ordinary person
0: Mm, living
1: during this time. Mm
0: -hmm, Yeah.
1: Although it made me miss like the best years of our lives because I thought that was a much better movie. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And mm -hmm. and, like I was thinking a lot more, but just like this was a little bit more sentimental where that I think addressed Mm -hmm. more of the trauma of the war
0: yeah yeah i think you're right about that although the best Years of our lives was right after the war was ended and this was made like still during the war so yeah i think it makes more sense that it's more sentimental
1: yeah and they were probably still it was you know there was probably censorship around anything that could be oh, negative yeah. about the war effort <laughs> happening at
0: that time yeah probably not a lot like that. you're
1: gonna come back with psychological damage we'll cut this
0: film <laughs>
1: oh, God, so. What's our next movie, Hill?
0: Oh, well, speaking of Myrna Loy movies, our next movie is The Libel Lady. Yay! May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter at The Screen Sirens. Leave us a review on
1: iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us.
0: And become a patron at patreon.com slash The Screen Sirens.
1: Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.